This evening we're continuing our study on wisdom and today we'll be looking at Proverbs chapter 28 but to start off <coughs> we have an open question and I want to ask please if you're my friend here today raise up your hand yay awesome please ushers note those hands so as I ask this open question so the question says have you ever worked with a godly or a wicked person what was your experience have you ever worked with a godly or a wicked person who is helping us out Oh yeah, now, Pastor Sotie, I can see your spiritual hand up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, considering um, I run a business, I've worked with both godly and wicked people. And um, from the experience, it's... Um, Godliness is, uh, is um, it, it's not hidden in the life of anybody. You can tell. But when you work with a wicked person, most times, even their wickedness eventually leads them into trouble. Um, I would say greed is wickedness. Greed is wickedness. Greed is wickedness. And you see, a lot of times, just because of greed... You find wicked people digging a hole and by the grace of God, instead of um, you that they are planning to fall in the hole, they end up falling it into the hole themselves. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Okay, my remaining friends. Debbie, I can see your hand. Lord. Hallelujah. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. I've worked with a wicked boss. He was, in fact, it was, it was really interesting because before he became my boss, he was my friend. Wow. And he's that kind of friend at work that you chat from when you log in till the end of the day. Yeah. And then he became my boss and suddenly he was so mean. It was, it was unreal and I just didn't understand it. When he stopped being my boss, he became my friend again. I guess that is life. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, so um, please let's open our Bibles to um, Proverbs chapter 28. And I'll read. The wicked run away. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, the wicked run away when no one is chasing them. But the godly are as bold as lions. When there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily. But wise and knowledgeable leaders bring stability. A poor person who oppresses the poor is like a pounding rain that destroys the crops. To reject the law is to praise the wicked. To obey the law is to fight them. Evil people don't understand justice. But those who follow the Lord understand completely. Better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and rich. 
Young people who obey the law are wise. Those with wild friends bring shame to their parents. Income from charging high interest rates will end up in the pocket of someone who is kind to the poor. God detests the prayers of a person who ignores the law. Those who lead good people along an evil path will fall into their own trap. Amen. But the honest will inherit good things. Amen. Rich people may think they are wise, but a poor person with discernment can see right through them. When the godly succeed, everyone is glad. When the wicked take charge, people go into hiding. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Blessed are those who fear to do wrong, but the stubborn are headed for serious trouble. A wicked ruler is as dangerous to the poor as a roaring lion or an attacking bear. A ruler with no understanding will oppress his people, but one who hates corruption will have a long life. A murderer's tormented conscience will drive him into the grave. Don't protect him. The blameless will be rescued from harm, but the crooked will be suddenly destroyed. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies ends up in poverty. The trustworthy person will get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. Showing partiality is never good, yet some will do wrong for a mere piece of bread. Greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realize they're headed for poverty. In the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. Anyone who steals from his father and mother and says, what is wrong with that, is no better than a murderer. Greed causes fighting. Trusting the Lord leads to prosperity. Those who trust their own insight are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. When the wicked take charge, people go into hiding. When the wicked meet disaster, the godly flourish. Amen. Okay, so if um, in our study, if we all have our outlines, right? Okay, so we're filling the first line, Proverbs 28 teaches us wisdom on teaches us wisdom on the wicked and the godly the poor and the rich the greedy leadership and obedience i'll take that again proverbs 28 teaches us wisdom on the wicked and the godly the poor and the rich the greedy leadership and obedience so we've broken it down into those um, various categories so straight away we'll look at verses 1 and 17 says the wicked run away when no one is chasing them but the godly are as bold as lions and verse 17 says a murderer's tormented conscience will drive him into the grave don't protect him now, we're comparing the wicked and the godly in the same vein. And it's interesting to note that the Bible 
keeps repeating in so many places that the wicked runs where no man pursues. I know a lot of times, even when we're having conversations with people, sometimes you see them just being scared and you say, who is pursuing you? You know, I mean, I crack those jokes sometimes. Like the wicked is running when no one is pursuing. And the Bible says, why are they running when no one is pursuing? It is because of their wickedness. So, and the Passion Translation says they experience paranoia. For me, that means they have ghost imaginations of being chased by evil. And when people start to have ghost imaginations of being chased by evil, it is because of the content of their hearts. Their hearts is so full of wickedness that they imagine that the next person must also be thinking something cruel and evil. And the Bible is comparing the godly. It says that the godly displays boldness as a young ferocious lion. A young lion. I mean, every time I look at the animal kingdom, the lions are by far not the biggest animals. They are not. But because of the boldness in them, they look at a prey and what they see is food. And they go after it with everything. And, that other, and the prey, no matter how big they are, what they see in the lion is danger. This one is going to eat me. Even though really when you compare them, they can actually fight back and to a large extent win. But they're so scared. And that's how the Bible describes the wicked. They're constantly thinking that somebody is after them is after them. The ghost of wickedness just continues chasing them, but that will not be our portion in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, and the, the dictionary meaning that I found for wicked says somebody that is evil, morally wrong, somebody that is mean, like um, one of the contributions we had in working with um, a godly or a wicked person that was shared earlier. You know, I think Debbie mentioned that the person just became mean. That clearly is a wicked person. And the Bible describes the godly person, the dictionary rather, describes the godly person as somebody that is religious, somebody that is God-fearing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, so um, we move on to verse 12. Verse 12 says... When the godly succeed, everyone is glad. When the wicked take charge, people go into hiding. And I'm going to tie this up with verse 28 because it says something similar. It says, when the wicked take charge, people go into hiding. When the wicked meet disaster, the godly flourish. So I ask a question, why do the godly go into hiding when the wicked prosper? This is an open question. Ushers, please help us with the mic. And I still have a lot of friends in the auditorium today. Why do the godly go into hiding when the wicked succeeds? Sumbo, I can see you. Please give her the mic. Hello? Hi. Sorry, I just walked in. I just came in. I was a bit late. So I really don't know what's going on. Okay, you are forgiven. No problem. Pastor K. Okay, praise God. Hallelujah. Why do the godly go into hiding when the wicked when the wicked take charge? I would say that um, probably the reason why that happens is because the godly don't want to at times mingle with the wicked. 
So when the wicked is in charge, it's like, let me stay away from them uh, so that what they are doing doesn't um, corrupt me. I, I think that's the position. Because I'm looking at that like in, I'm trying to picture what is happening in our country and using that to explain this. You know, a lot of times we say the Christians or the, the good people don't want to get involved in government, don't want to get in politics because we say, oh, they are the wicked people, they are the bad people, I don't want to stay, so that they don't turn me around and make me become like them. Absolutely. I think that's probably the reason why it appears like when the wicked are in charge, the godly go into hiding. It shouldn't be, but I, I, I mean, that's the only explanation I can give at this point. Thank you very much. So the godly goes into hiding until the godly can take over. And, you know, for me, another thing that crosses my mind is, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If the wicked man is wicked, he can only successfully lead the godly into wickedness. So the godly, rather than fight um, the leadership, goes into hiding, probably to pray and ask God to intervene. And the Lord will intervene in every such case in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So we'll move on to verse 17. And verse 17 says, A murderer's tormented conscience will drive him into the grave. Don't protect him. And that is the wicked person. The wicked person is always tormented by all the evil and mischiefs that they've done. So even when people are walking on the road, they'll say, Oh, that neighbor has been eyeing me somehow. That person, that person's dog was barking a different type of bark this morning, you know all because of the thoughts of their hearts. So we need to keep the thoughts of our hearts very pure, and God will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So we'll move on to verse 18. Verse 18 says, The blameless will be rescued from harm, but the crooked will be suddenly destroyed. So the godly person will be rescued from harm. So harm is imminent. Harm is everywhere. But the Bible is giving us this assurance that if we live a godly life, we will be rescued. But the wicked person will come into sudden ruin. May that not be our portion in Jesus' name. God will continue to rescue us from every form of harm that is around in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now, verse 24 was actually quite interesting to me. It says, anyone who steals from his father... And mother and says, What is wrong with that? Is no better than a murderer. That was that struck a, a, a deep chord within me because I, I found it quite strange that the Bible would um, will relate a murderer to someone who steals from his father and his mother. And it dawned on me that. In as much as someone says, oh, this person is not my father, this person is not my mother, because they did A, B, C, D. You have stolen from them. Because you cannot deny their parenthood. They may not be perfect. They may not know it all. They may have made wrong choices in your upbringing. They may have made decisions that have affected you negatively. But the fact still remains the fact. They're your parents. So when you go and you steal their parenthood from them because you say, what is wrong with that? After all, I can deny them. No, they're your parents. You may not approve of their way of life. You may not approve of, of the decisions and choices that they make, but they still remain your parents. And the Bible is saying if we keep doing that, such a person 
becomes a murderer. So whether they're good or bad, whether they made wrong choices or not, you have killed them by denying their existence. You have stolen from them by denying that they're your parents. That, for me, was really deep. That, okay, so because a person's parents, you know, may be um, a bricklayer, and then the person is walking on the road and says, is that not your dad? Ah, God forbid, though. It's wrong. It's just wrong. Your dad is your dad. Your mom is your mom. They may not be all that you expect them to be, but God is saying, stop. Because for every time you steal from them, their parents, or for every time you go and they labor what they have labored for, you just go and pick it up and go and spend it and say, after all, they are supposed to be taking care of me. No, it's wrong. It's stealing. And the Bible condemns it outrightly. Praise the Lord. Are we still together? Okay. Um, so the next subtopic we are looking at is the poor and the rich. Proverbs 28 verse 3. A poor person who oppresses the poor is like pounding rain that destroys the crops. Pounding rain that destroys the crops. Um, my husband is a farmer and sometimes we plant um, seedlings around the, around the home before we take it to the farm. And when it starts to rain, everybody is running out to grab those seedlings so that the rain doesn't pour on it. So I kind of have a visual idea of what it means for the poor to oppress the poor. And the Bible says it's like pounding rain on a plant. Most likely, most often than not, those plants don't recover. They don't recover because, A, the water is supposed to nourish them. So they're fellow friend, whoever the person may be, is supposed to help build them up. You're supposed to help them, nourish them. And then the person comes with so much force. The plants usually will just bend over. The, the, the stems that are so fragile will just break, and that's it. They're dead. They're dead. They're dead. They never recover. And Bible is encouraging us not to do that because those people can never recover. Now, poor may not um, necessarily mean someone who doesn't have money. It may be someone who is um, poor in knowledge. It doesn't mean that you that seem to have more knowledge than such a person should puff yourself up and say, after all, I know more than you. Your, is, the Bible says that it's like, it's like torrents of rain pouring on a crop. It will destroy such a person. It will completely destroy them. Rather, what should we do? Encourage them. Build them up. If you feel that you're so knowledgeable, then do share your knowledge. After all, we're made for community. We're made for connection. And God will continue to help us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll move on to verse 6. Better to be poor and honest than to be rich and dishonest. Better to be poor Remain poor and be honest. You know, a good name is, is better than silver and gold that you go and grab with false, with false intentions. It's better to be poor and to be honest. Um, and there are some instructions here for the rich. And like we said earlier, the rich, 
doesn't necessarily have to be rich in money. It could be rich in knowledge. It could be rich in, in wisdom. It could be rich in material things or emotional richness. It could be rich in any form. So let's look at it in, in that light. So um, verse 8 says, Income from charging high interest rates will end up in the pocket of someone who is kind to the poor. Don't make money by charging high rates. The money will eventually end up in the pockets of the person who is kind to others. Being kind to others makes you a channel of blessing. And if money flows through you, it will flow into the lives of other people. But when you now um, bring about charging high rates, the example that came to me is... um, in my line of business, there are different um, skills and measurements that we use. And one of the things I found out that people actually use wrong skills and wrong measurements. And they were like, it's normal now. That's what you need to do. I said, for how much more money am I going to get? So that's how that's how we do it. And I sat down and I thought about it. I said, so for an extra 100 naira, an extra 200 naira, I would actually tell the customer that this thing is this amount, whereas it is less than that. Bible says no. If you charge those kind of rates, the money you think you're making will be given to somebody else to help someone else. What's the point? What's the point? Stick with what is right. Stick with charging the right rates. If you charge exorbitantly because you want to get rich quick, that money, usually you can't manage it because it was gained on false premises. And Bible is encouraging us not to do that because it will end up in someone else's pocket. So the question now is, how do we make money? Because I'm sure we all want to make money. Um, and I'll, I'll encourage us to listen to the Silver and Gold Season 1 and Gold and Silver Season 2 with focus on Part 3 because what Pastor taught us there was that um, real riches comes by adding value. So if you're filling the blanks there, real riches comes by adding value to people. You can get real riches when you add value to other people. You add value to other people. And the second one is real riches are from the people you make happy, not what makes you happy. So I I want to encourage us to listen to those messages again. You want to get rich, add value. Be a person of value to the next person. And you may think that, oh, every time I'm always giving, I'm always giving. Bible says give, it will come back to you in good measures. Pressed down, shaking together, running over. Will men give to you? Praise the Lord. So it's not by charging high rates that you will hammer or you will blow and you become extremely rich. No, it's by adding value to other people. Add value to the people around you because we are made for community. We are made to help one another. So I wrote a question down here. Who is your money helping? Who is your money helping? 
And I would like to encourage us that it doesn't matter how little you think your money is. It really doesn't matter because the Bible says that he that is faithful in little, more will be given to him. It is, it is in your faithfulness of the little that you have that you're able to share with the people around you that heaven sees that, okay, we can entrust riches in this person's hand. It will not end up in, in their pockets or under the bed, you know. I, I watched one home video and the guy keeps money inside a bowl of gari. Who does that? Keeps money inside a bowl of gari and then his wife, someone traveled from far and said, oh, I want to buy gari and the wife sold the bowl of gari. The wife sold the bowl of gari and then he started looking for the gari. He said, ah, I sold it to one person traveling from a far place came and I sold it off. In fact, they paid good money. Ah, lobaton. All the money gone. All the money gone. All the money gone. So who is your money helping? Who is your money helping? Who is your money helping? We need to stop and think. After we've chased this money and chased this money, who is this money helping? Because you see, when your money starts to help people, heaven will deploy more to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 11 says, Rich people may think they are wise, but a poor person with discernment can see right through them. And as we established earlier, the rich person doesn't necessarily have to be rich in, in money, can be rich in many other things. But if he thinks that the poor man is poor and daft, then he's greatly mistaken. He's greatly mistaken. Because an intelligent poor man will see right through them and know that this one is just trying to play me while you. He's just trying to um, use my head, as we say in this part of the world. Just want to use my head to make money. The poor man will see right through you. So honesty pays. Praise God. Are we still together? Okay, so we're moving on to... Verse 22, we're going on to the greedy. Bible says, greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realize they are headed for poverty. Poverty. I want to hammer, I want to blow. This year, 2019, I must blow. Poverty is knocking. Cope, cope, cope. Cope, cope, cope. That's what the Bible says. Headed for poverty. Why? Because in, in the Hebrew and Aramaic, they say the evil man is the man that has an eye. So if you're filling in the gap, it says in Hebrew, the greedy man is interpreted as the man with an evil eye. Evil eye. Evil. Evil. That's the greedy man. Let me just get everything. Everything is for only me, only me, only me. Evil, and such a person is stingy. He's constantly on a race to get rich. So he shuts his eyes to the poor. Every man for himself, God for us all. No, no. We're made for community. We're made for connectivity. We're made to help one another. And the Bible says, 
in, in the same vein that the generous man is the man with a good eye. So a good eye looks at his neighbor and says, ah, this is my neighbor. I don't think they've eaten today. I know I only have one loaf of bread, but at least I can divide it into two and give them half. It's a lot, but that's the least I can do. So it's not until you have 10 million naira in your account, they now say, ah, okay, this is my neighbor. Let me just go and give them 100,000. They'll be very grateful. No, it starts with you being able to share that loaf of bread. Until you're able to share that loaf of bread, heaven cannot trust you with 10 million. Praise God. So, a person with a generous heart, more will pass through him because he is a flowing channel of blessing. So, the question I wrote down here is, are you a flowing channel of blessing? It's food for thoughts. Am I a flowing channel of blessing? No matter how little I think I have, no matter how plenty I think I have, am I a flowing channel of blessing? Can I see someone in need and actually stop and say, this person needs something? Lord, am I able to do it? Use me, Lord. I'm available. And God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Because the Bible says in in Mark 8.36, that, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If, is anything worth more than your soul? After chasing the money and chasing the money and chasing the money, then the person loses their soul. There's nothing. There is nothing. There's absolutely nothing that is worth more than your soul. So, If you want to get rich, listen to the wealth operating system. Those messages are so deep. You have something you enjoy doing. You have something you know how to do. And you are paid to do it. That's your oil right there. That's your oil right there. And you become rich. Because if it's something you enjoy doing, something people like, something people are willing to pay for, you're adding value. You're adding honest value. You're not mixing up things and calling it a name that it is not and making people think that it is what it is, whereas it is not. That's what a greedy person will do. Just mix up things and call it a very big, long name. It's, 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 it's not right. It's not right. Verse 25 says, Greed causes fighting. Trusting the Lord leads to prosperity. So greedy people fight themselves. When greed comes into play, there is always fights that bust out. I I don't know. You've seen where people go and steal. They steal the 10 million. Uh, I'm using this uh, as an hypothetical example. They steal the 10 million and then they get back to base to share it. And then it becomes who did more work. In stealing money that wasn't yours, then they start to fight. Because they stole it, stealing it was wrong, then they get greedy in the sharing. It's just wrong. Bible is encouraging us that we shouldn't be greedy. But trusting the Lord, verse 20, trustworthy 
the trustworthy person will get a rich reward, but the person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. Praise the Lord. So, if you're filling the gap, it says greed causes fights. Greed causes fights. And um, Proverbs 23, verse 6. Proverbs 23, verse 6 says, Don't eat with people that are stingy. Don't desire their delicacies. Don't eat with people that are stingy. Because as they are eating it, they are counting it. <laughs> they are counting it. You've eaten three spoons. But they called you to come and eat. And they are counting it. And the Bible says, don't eat with them. Don't desire their delicacies. Um, if we open our Bible to 1 Corinthians 5, 11, Bible instructs us that I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worship idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Relating sexual sin, relating um, idolatry, drunkards with someone who is greedy. The Bible says we should avoid them. Avoid them like a plague. Avoid them completely. Because bad habits will corrupt. Will corrupt. They say birds of the same feather flock together. If you're not going to the same destination, don't walk with such a person. And God will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. First Corinthians um, chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. And Ephesians 5, 6 9 says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit idolatry or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are, or are abusive or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. The greedy person will not inherit the kingdom of God. They have no share because he's an idolater. He's chasing after mammon. Money is calling him. Money is calling him. Meanwhile, the Bible says goodness and mercy shall follow us, shall pursue us. But when you are now the one trying to pursue it, is the equation has been turned upside down. It has been turned upside down. It is the goodness and mercy of the living God that should chase after you. And with that comes abundance of riches. And that will be our portion in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, um, the next part that we're looking at is leadership. We'll start with verses 2 and 16. Verses 2 and 16. When there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily. But wise and knowledgeable leaders bring stability. Verse 16. A ruler with no understanding will oppress his people. But one who hates corruption will have a long life. One who hates corruption will have a long life. So, 
you're filling the blank, it says lack of understanding births oppression, while wisdom births emancipation. Wisdom elongates your reign. It brings freedom in the kingdom. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 3, verse, verses 7 to 10. This is Solomon after he became king. He says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people. A nation so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern these great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So, filling the gap, God is pleased when we ask for wisdom. That is the God we serve. Freely, just ask. Just ask. You know, like Dr. Onuzo was saying on Sunday, spiritual empowerment, just ask. And that's what Solomon did. He showed an example, a good example to us that as leaders, just ask for the understanding. Just ask. And it actually makes God happy. God is pleased and happy when we ask for wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 23 says, The trustworthy person will get a rich reward. Sorry, one second, please. It's the part that talks about wisdom being in the streets and sharing and calling on everyone to come and partake of wisdom. Yes. So, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 says, Wisdom's praises are sung in the streets and celebrated far and wide. Far and wide. Yet, wisdom is not always heard in the halls of higher learning, but in the hustle and bustle of every day. Its lyrics can always be heard above the din of the crowd. You will hear wisdom's warning as she preaches courageously to those who stop to listen. Foolish ones, how much longer will you cling to your deception? How much longer will you mock wisdom? Cynical corners who fight the facts. Come back to your senses and be restored to reality. Don't even think about refusing my rebuke. Don't you know that I'm ready to pour out my spirit of wisdom upon you and bring to you the revelation of my words that will make your heart wise? Freely. And our God is the God of wisdom. He says, I'm here calling you, come and gain wisdom. Come and learn from me. Freely, I will give to you. Freely, freely. The NLT version says, come and listen to my counsel. I will share my heart with you and make you wise. Solomon did and he became wise, extremely wise, because God was very, very pleased with him. So as leaders, as as because we are all leaders in, in different capacities. 
we need to stop and ask God for wisdom. Wisdom to make the decision you want to make. Wisdom to, to, to go about your business. Wisdom to go about your jobs. And God will give to us freely as we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 10. Proverbs 28.10. Bible says, those who lead good people along evil paths will fall into their own trap. But the honest will inherit good things. So, leaders are meant to be honest. Leaders are meant to be honest. Leaders are meant to be honest. It's better for you to be honest and everybody sees you. People are not fools. They, they can read right through every leader. So, be honest. This is who I am. This is what I can do. It's not, oh, we're going to climb that mountain. Where well, yeah, all of you be going? I'll stay down the valley and be praying as you go and capture the mountain. No. Be honest. Go. And God will give us direction in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And verse 15 tells us about the dangers of having a wicked leader. It says, a wicked ruler is as dangerous to the poor as a roaring lion or an attacking bear. A roaring lion or an attacking bear. Remember we had said in verse 1 that a young ferocious lion is bold. And the Bible is trying to tell us that a, a, a wicked leader can be like that. Just attacking its prey. But God will deliver us from such people in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So, we move to verse 28. And as we asked when we were looking, at, when we were at the beginning, verse 28 and verse 12. When wicked leaders rise to power, good people go into hiding. When wicked leaders rise to power, good people go into hiding. So, this question is asked again. And... Um, we got some answers earlier on that the good people go into hiding for different reasons. But verse 28 encourages us, and for me, this is just fantastic. It says, when the wicked take charge, people go into hiding. When the wicked meet disaster, the godly flourish. Bible doesn't say if. It says when. So the wicked will rise to power. But we have an assurance that the wicked will fall. Amen. People say amen. The wicked will fall. And who will come into the... What, what will happen then? The godly will flourish. So the godly that has gone into hiding is in hiding, praying, and being empowered to take over when the wicked eventually falls. So this really brought me a lot of joy that the wicked will fall. They will meet disaster in every area of our lives, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. So, um, verse 26. Those who trust their own insights are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. So, there is safety in walking with wisdom. If you're filling the blanks, there is safety in walking with wisdom. There is safety. You're always safe. Because wisdom is constantly crying out, 
I can explain things to you better than you think you know. I can tell you things that you do not understand. I can give you solutions to things that you do not know. Just come. There is safety. And God will continue to help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 23. Verse 23 says, In the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. Far more than flattery. Honest criticism. Honest criticism means you are actually saying to someone that, oh, you know, you could have done this thing better. That's what leaders do. If you feel that the person hasn't done it right or could do it better, you could, you could have done this thing better if you did A, B, C. And the person would actually listen rather than, so upon all the salary we are paying you, you just come. Nothing inside that's your coconut head. No. No. Because at that point, the person has shut down. So any advice you are giving to the coconut head is not going to enter that coconut head at all. It won't enter. But if you actually say, you know what? This thing could have been done in a better way. Next time, if you're not clear on how to do it, just ask and I will explain it to you. So go back and do it. A, B, C, D. The person will gladly go back and do it. God will give us the wisdom to lead with constructive criticism in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are we still together? Okay, thank God. Um, this choir, you people are amazing. <laughs> obedience. The, the final part we are looking at is obedience. So, um, we'll be reading from the Passion Translation on Obedience. Verse 4 says, Those who turn their backs on what they know is right will no longer be able to tell right from wrong. But those who love the truth strengthen their souls. Boom! People are passing one way. You're in a hurry to get to work. You now say, ah, let me not pass the one way in the middle. Let me drive on the Corvette. The lines become blurry. The lines become blurry because from that covert, one tire up, one tire down. The two tires will soon be down. The two tires will inevitably come down to the main road. And then you that were once saying, look how these downfall drivers driving one way. You have also joined the rat race like, ah, if you cannot beat them, you join them. No. No, 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 no. Because when that's when that happens, you stop being all that God has called you to be. Because it means that the amount of wisdom that God has invested in you hasn't been, been put to play. It hasn't been put to play right there. And God will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. So don't turn your back on what you know is right. Don't turn your back. Someone is about to be cheated. You know this person is about to be cheated. And you turn your back. You know he who knows to do good and doesn't do it. You know this person is about to be cheated. Just don't turn your back and say, I'm minding my business. You can mind your business in certain instances. But in the instance where it is right before your face, 
you need to stop and ask God, should I intervene? Because you may just be the savior that God has sent to rescue that person. Because put yourself in that person's shoes. Would you not love for someone to intervene on your behalf? Yes. If someone is about to cheat me and I do not know, I think I would appreciate it if someone comes to me and says, no, that's not how much that thing is being sold for. It should actually be sold for a hundred naira less. I would appreciate it. So I would do the same for others. Praise the Lord. Verse 7 says, To be obedient to what you've been taught proves you are an honorable child. But to socialize with the lawless brings shame to your parents. So, when we're filling the gap, what we're filling there is to be obedient to what we have been taught. Sorry. To be obedient to what we have been taught. It is based on your last level of obedience that more will be given to you. So if the last instruction, you have not obeyed it, you can't get new instructions. It's very simple. If the last instruction has not been obeyed, Lord, use me, oh God. The last instruction, you have not obeyed it. If they bring another one, chances are that you would not obey it as well. God will help us to be obedient in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Next, we're looking at verse 9. Verse 9. If you close your heart and refuse to listen to God's instruction, even your prayer will be despised. So we're still back to it. You close your eyes and you say, I'm not going to listen to this thing. It sounds very foolish. It sounds very silly. It sounds, it sounds very ridiculous. Why should I even do it? It does not make sense. It may not make sense to you, but it makes sense to the one who knows the end from the beginning. The one who, who holds time in his hands. The one who can do anything he wants to do and nobody can question him. It makes sense to him. So your job is just to obey. So if you're filling the blanks, what we're writing there is open your heart to God's instruction. Open your heart. Wisdom is telling us today, open your heart to God's instruction. It may not make sense. It may not, it it, it may look very silly doing it. Just do it and trust God because it is a heart of trust that does what the father says, regardless of how funny it looks. David trusted God. That was why he could go and meet Goliath with stone and sling. Nobody in his logical sense, even his brothers and all the armies of Israel, with all the armories they had, with all the weapons, they were in hiding. And then this young man comes out with stone and sling. It it looks stupid. It looks silly. Why would he do that? He did it because he trusted God. And he said it boldly. He said, "Ah, ah, God gave me the bear. Gave me the lion. You, no, you're a small fry next to my God. Praise the Lord. Um, Verse 13. 
verse 13 says, if you cover up your sin, you will never do well. But if you confess your sins and forsake them, you will be kissed by mercy. Two things. Confess and forsake your sins. Confess and forsake. So you did it today. Lord, I'm sorry. You do it again tomorrow. Lord, I'm sorry. You do it again next week. Lord, I'm sorry. Mm-mm. It is to turn around, you know. I think the example um, Dr. Nuzo gave on Sunday was someone who vomits and then goes back and then is packing the vomit and saying, no, let me eat this vomit again. No. So when you imagine that this thing is actually something I vomited, nasty vomit, you know those nasty, nasty, nasty vomit, when you imagine it that way, when, you won't, when, when it pushes you to go back, you will say, no, I can't eat up this vomit. I vomited it out, and it will stay out of our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 28. Sorry, verse um, 18. Verse 18. The pure will be rescued from failure, but the perverse will suddenly fall into ruin. So, Bible is encouraging us as we fill the gap, it says, be pure in heart. Be pure in heart. Be pure in heart. Verse 18, be pure in heart. God, you know, every time pastor says, I'll walk with God. It's a heart walk. Even when people are lying to you, don't lie to yourself. Because God sees your heart. So, once the thoughts of your heart, everything that passes through your heart, passes through the filter of God's eyes. That is the life that we have been called to live. And God will help us as we continue to do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 19. Verse 19. Says, hard work pays. Verse 19. Okay. Work hard and you will have all you desire. But chase a fantasy and you could end up with nothing. Chase a fantasy. Um, I, I think I was telling my husband about one video I watched of one man sitting on the floor and saying, Oh, if only Bill Gates was my father. I would not be sitting on this floor. Oh, if only Dangote was uh, my brother, you know. And it was a funny video. But the question I was posing at him as I was watching the video was, you, whose father are you? Whose father are you? You are somebody's father sitting on the floor. I read a quote. says, if your father is not rich, make sure you are rich. So you leave a legacy for the person coming behind you. Leave a legacy for the people coming behind you. Stop saying, no, if, 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 even if, they are your, if Bill Gates is your father, so Bill Gates is working hard. He's not sitting on the floor and thinking of how uh, Warren Buffett is supposed to be his brother-in-law. No, he's working. Hard work pays, and God will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 18. The pure will be rescued from failure, but the perverse will fall into sudden ruin. Be pure in heart, 
and you will be rescued from failure. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.